Welcome to Ascending Olympus, Edge of the Crowds Olympics and Paralympics podcast. I'm your host, Michelle, and on day two, we are joined by Beck. So how are you today, Beck? Yeah, I'm doing well. Today was super duper exciting and a bit of a roller coaster um, in terms of the Winter Olympics content. But nonetheless, there's plenty for us to talk about and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So, yeah. What did you make of today? Yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of things happen. You can definitely feel after all our minus one, minus two days that things are definitely ramping up um, and everything is happening all at once. Medal counts are occurring. We're having some uh, classic Olympic shenanigans and some not so classic shenanigans due to the pandemic and other things, um, all of which we'll be covering today. So going to be super fun. Uh, we'll start by talking about uh, various uh, medal winners uh, throughout today um, and also last night that we weren't able to get to um, from our previous recording. Okay, so starting off in the skiathlon, we had Alexander Bolshinov finally win a gold medal after winning three bronze medals and a silver in Pyeongchang, which must have been really frustrating for him to be so close, but not to make it. But he did it this time in the 30 kilometer skiathlon and he was clearly very emotional about it from everything he had to say afterwards. It was clearly something that he'd been working very hard towards. Yeah, it must have been a super special moment. And there's nothing, when you go to these games, you go to, you know, win medals for your country. Um, and after winning bronze that many times, you know, it's so good to just see him finally get that gold, which is ultimately why you go to the Olympics. So such a special moment for him. And yeah, I'm sure it will be one he cherishes for a very long time. We had another gold medal from the 5,000 meter speedscaping. Um, it came from Nils van der Poel um, from Sweden, and he actually set a new Olympic record. So he is also the current world record holder. Um, he broke this record in the 3rd of December last year. So it was super special just to see his hard work finally pay off and for him to get an Olympic gold medal and also set a record in place, which is very hard to do considering the speed skating was more at ground level and you tend to break these records more often in, you know, the more alpine heights. So a huge credit to him and it was a very special moment for him for sure. Definitely. People often expect that Olympics is where world records happen. Like, you know, you go to the Olympics, you break a world record, we have a bunch of them. So it's often pretty surprising to people to hear that maybe in some events like the speed skating, that that's not actually the case, that we expected for no world records to be broken, which probably makes it much more exciting that one did end up being uh, broken in this way by uh, Niels van der Poel. Um, moving on to um, other exciting uh, goals, uh, in the, uh, also in the speed skating, uh, China won their first gold medal in the mixed team relay uh, in the short track um, after a pretty uh, eventful competition. Uh, starting off in the semifinals, we had uh, top competitors uh, the US team and the ROC team uh, disqualified. Um, and then uh, in uh, which kind of really set the path ready for China to kind of come in and sweep through. Um, and then on top of that, in the uh, bronze medal um, face-off between, Hungar uh, between Hungary and Canada, uh, we had a collision. Uh, Canada was subsequently disqualified and Hungary ended up winning the bronze. So all around very eventful. Absolutely. And I mean, 
yes, it was full of, you know, controversy and all this drama, but what a way to win gold in your home country. I'm sure these athletes must have been super duper proud um, to have all their fans and the locals in the stand cheering them on as they skate towards gold. It's truly an amazing moment to win anything in front of your home crowd. So for it to be a Winter Olympic Games, for them to have worked four years, um, it must have been a truly special moment for the team. Especially since you must have like heard of this happening and seen this happening while you were competing. So as a team in your home country, you must be like, oh my God, it's happening, it's happening, it's happening. It could happen, it could happen. So being able to keep a level head at that time is also still a very kind of significant feat for them as well. Absolutely. It's the mark of a true professional, um, you know, and just being mentally tough, especially when the pressure can get to you is such a key component of being a competitive Olympic athlete um, and a Paralympic athlete for that matter as well. So yeah, huge kudos to them, and it was a very well-deserved win. Speaking of first medals, uh, Australia also won um, a first medal. Uh, in the snowboarding, we had uh, Tess Cody winning bronze in the slope styles, uh, scoring an 84.15, uh, which is uh, very impressive and remarkable given the run that she's had. Yeah, what a story from Tess Cody. So four years ago um, in Pyeongchang, she was on the sidelines watching, you know, the Olympics and all her fellow Australian teammates competing um, while she was in rehabilitation from an injury she suffered in training. So to have this comeback and make the podium is super duper amazing for her. And you've just got to be so stoked for her because we love all these warm, lighthearted stories that sort of get the spine tingling in the Olympic Games. That's what makes the game so special. Definitely. Tested super well in uh, what was clearly a very tight competition amongst close friends, uh, which was ultimately won by Zoe Sadowski-Sano uh, from New Zealand, winning New Zealand their first Olympic gold and becoming the second country uh, in, the summer, in the Southern Hemisphere to win a gold medal at the Winter Olympics which is uh, really remarkable. They just, it's just Australia and New Zealand now, I guess, who have that achievement that they can claim. And funnily enough as well, it was also the first Winter Olympic podium that an Australian and a Kiwi has shared. So it's a bit of an exciting moment. It's like the little brothers have finally grown up and they're getting a medal, but that's coming from an Aussie. And that's not to take away from what Zoe's done. It was absolutely incredible. Um, and, while she might have been the first gold medalist, it's also been 30 years um, since they won their first Winter Olympic medal in Albertville um, in the Alpine skiing, with Annalise Kohlberger winning the women's slalom. So huge kudos to her um, as they become, you know, in the history books for New Zealand Winter Olympics. Um, and another really cool thing about the day in which this medal happens is it was actually won on Waitangi Day, which commemorates the signing of the country's founding document, uh, the Treaty of Waitangi. So very special moment for all of New Zealand, and I'm sure they will be so proud of Zoe. Um, yeah, and then rounding out that podium with the silver medal was Julia Marino. Um, she secured the podium instead of another American um, snowboarder, Jamie Anderson, who was a dual gold medalist and was expected to win gold, but she unfortunately didn't get a clean run and came ninth. So it's a shame to see her sort of go out that way, but nonetheless, 
she should be so proud to make the Olympics anyway because making the Olympics is such a huge achievement in itself. For sure. It was definitely an event full of ups and downs with quite a bit of Southern Hemisphere pride thrown into it, which is always fun to see. Unfortunately, though, that Southern Hemisphere pride did not carry over into the men's event. Um, Aussie Matt Cox did not qualify. Um, unfortunately, we would have liked to have seen him too, but nonetheless, we're still proud of him. We're still proud of him for putting on the green and gold and getting out there and having a crack. So good on you, Matt. Uh, definitely. Um, always, you know, snow and ice are slippery and sometimes you do fall and sometimes you just don't have your best day. But being able to make it this far is an achievement in itself already. Um, so it's definitely something to be proud of. Uh, we might move on now to the curling, uh, another event that was full of ups and downs, this time for a very different reason. So Australians Tali Gill and Dean Hewitt have had quite the whirlwind of a day. Um, Tali Gill tested positive for COVID uh, last night, and it seemed like this was going to um, put a stop to their, their Olympic campaign. Um, they had two matches to go and it would have been a really kind of tough time to finish a little bit bittersweet as well, given kind of the close matches that they've had in the lead up to today. Um, this was due to uh, obviously some positive COVID tests. Um, it sounded like they were just kind of within the parameters that uh, the Olympics have kind of set um, that we have talked about uh, previously on the podcast before. But fortunately enough, they got a late reprieve because um, it uh, seems like these positive tests were due to shedding. So they were allowed back in to the Olympic Village. Uh, in the time being, uh, Tali Gill had to stay in an isolation hotel. So once again, it did seem very kind of like it was the end before this final turnaround. Uh, today, they played Switzerland who uh, uh, the Swiss team who won uh, the silver medal in Pyeongchang and um, they won uh, nine to six. <laughs> so what an incredible feat for them. Um, I'm sure the whole of Australia is behind them. Even when we were in the negative days of the Olympics, um, I saw so many tweets on my timeline cheering on the curling saying they never thought they would get this invested in curling and here we are all of the country's investment in curling has paid off, as has Dean and Tali's. Um, they worked so hard to get into the games. They're the first team, as it's been mentioned before, um, from Australia to make the Winter Olympic Games in the curling. So, yeah, what a moment for them. And I'm sure it will be one that's forever in the memory bank and they'll be able to tell their grandchildren about it. Just overcoming a silver medalist, um, who are obviously the cream of the crop, like what an achievement. And it, it's also very special considering they've had so many heartbreaking one-point losses, obviously, to the USA, to Sweden, to China, to Great Britain. So it's just a moment that's really, really exciting for the whole country. And a couple of people took it upon themselves to put their brooms out and post photos of it on social media. So um, if you do decide you want to do that to celebrate the victory, be sure to include the hashtag brooms out for curlers. More importantly, we're going to be keeping keen eye on whether their coach uh, follows up on their promise of burritos from this win, which is the thing that I care most about. Of course. I mean, who doesn't love a good burrito? And I mean, if they win the next match against Canada, do we think that they might be getting a breakfast burrito or something? Who knows? Honestly, I just think the more burritos, the better. Absolutely. The world would be so much better with lots and lots of burritos. Exactly.
So moving on to the figure skating, the team event continued today, but uh, before discussing that, there is some minor updates from uh, various skaters. Uh, we finally got news that Canada's Keegan Messing, who was probably supposed to be at the team event, um, has finally um, kind of gotten the okay to travel to Beijing uh, after a, a positive COVID test a while back and then finally receiving enough negative tests to be able to make his way over. Even more exciting though, uh, two-time Olympic champion and uh, the name on everyone's minds right now, Yuzuru Hanyu has finally landed in Beijing today after being radio silent for over a month. This isn't the first time he's done this. He showed up uh, quite late to Pyeongchang as well, but he had a very, very stylish entrance as well. So I wonder what he'll have in store this time. Definitely. He missed his practice session today, having just landed at the airport, but um, he had a very uh, interesting and in, uh, practice first practice session in Pyeongchang. Not sure if he's going to replicate it here. He probably has bigger goals on the mind, namely that quad axle. Um, but if he does pull it out and in practice sessions, that will be a story worth telling as well. But yes, moving on to the team event, we started off the day with the last of the short program, which was the women's. Um, in uh, uh, to no one's surprise, uh, ROC's Camilla Valieva won uh, the uh, first place, uh, although not beating a world record that he, she previously set. In second place, we had Japan's Wakabahi Gucci, and surprisingly, in third place, we had Canada's Madeline Skeezus. Yeah, so it's important to mention with Camilla that she is the fourth woman in Olympic history to hit the triple axel, and this is just at 15 years old, which is super amazing. Like when I was 15 years old, I could barely skate. So to hit a triple axel, like that just blows my mind. Um, and she leads the um, women's section of the team event by 15.45 points. So she's looking pretty unbeatable at this point. And she's doing her absolute best to put Russia in a really, really good position to win the team event. Definitely. Not only that, but even in the individual event, she it's clearly showing that she's still at the top of her game and ready to pull out the high scores uh, when that time comes as well. Uh, after this event, uh, we did finally get to see the total outcome after the short program. And the qualifying nations uh, are ROC, USA, Japan, Canada, and China into the free skate event. Uh, no surprises there, honestly. Uh, these were probably the countries that we thought were going to make it. Uh, not sure if it was this in this order, but you know, ice is slippery and anything could have happened. So there's nothing to be particularly shocked about there either. Absolutely. I mean, you look at those nations, they're all powerhouses of the sport. They're synonymous with figure skating. You think of those countries before any other country when you hear that sport. So it's get definitely going to be interesting to see them all go head to head. But I think if Russia has their strategy right and they play their cards right, then they're going to get first or second. For sure. Um, they're probably set up to win first or second in all the disciplines. And they did so in the men's free skate that happened after the women's short program as the beginning of the free skate uh, segment of the team event. Uh, in this event, in first place, we had Japan's Yuma Kagiyama. In second place, we had ROC's Mark Kondratuk. And then in third place, we had USA's Vincent Zhou. 
It's definitely going to be interesting because Yuma landed a quad loop and that means all three of the Japanese skaters are going to have it in their free skate. So it's going to be one to watch. For sure. In the individual event, this really tosses things up. Um, Jackie, who's not with us today, and I have this running joke about a potential men's podium sweep in the individual event. And this quad loop leads us to believe that we're one step closer to that than we previously were. Um, but the rest of the po- uh, the rest of the top three in this event are also really interesting uh, cases. After Nathan's outstanding performance in the short program, uh, the US Federation decided to opt to go with Vincent in the free skate, who uh, had the potential to score really, really high due to his base value, but unfortunately he faltered. He had a pop on his quad flip and then two under rotation calls and a Q, which is a quarter under call as well in his program, which dropped him into third place at this event behind ROC's Mark Kondratuk. Uh, Mark is also a very fun story. We've had a lot of people uh, be, be very amused, skating and non-skating fans alike, at his Jesus Christ Superstar free skate. He wears a costume consisting of um, a crown of thorns that is on his neck and then red pants, which I'm only to assume symbolizes uh, the blood from the crucifixion. There's plenty of different interpretations, but nonetheless, it's a very amusing costume for sure. And Passion sums up Mark pretty well. He's a very committed skater and he's always, you can tell, putting his all into the program, even as he, even as he is, an act, uh, even as he is acting out uh, the uh, being whipped in his choreo sequence. Uh, very amusing to watch and I'm sure that everyone was very tickled by it no matter how much they knew about figure skating. Um, But this also does mean that uh, we are in an interesting position going into the rest of the free skate event tomorrow uh, in terms of how things will play out. Beck you've already mentioned that you like ROC is probably going to win this but the fight for silver and bronze has become a little bit more uh, competitive than we initially thought. Depending on the strategy that uh, the US takes, they could be uh, kind of putting that silver medal, uh, there, there could be a chance for Japan to sneak in and win that silver medal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the US, they're always full of surprises in these games, aren't they? I mean, they pop up in areas where you think that they're not going to pop up and they do well. So, for sure, they're going to give it a good fight. I think they're a very competitive nation. Yeah, for sure. Um, I still maintain that I think they made a mistake in their choices for the allocation for the men's, but now the past is the past and we can't really change that. I think having Jason Brown do the short and Nathan Chen do the free would have set them up a little bit better to clinch that silver medal a little bit more strongly after um, today's events especially. Um, give, uh, they still have a chance of keeping that silver medal tomorrow, but, you know, anything could happen and it does make the event much more exciting for the rest of us to watch. Absolutely. And what's the point of watching figure skating? Yes, it's a beautiful art form and I've come to appreciate appreciate it as someone who's only just started watching these games, but it's, you know, if it's not entertaining and it's not skillful, then what does it bring to the audience? Definitely. 
And to round out today, we're going to talk about the moguls, which is currently still going as we are recording. So we can't really tell you too much about it yet, but some things have happened that we can definitely report back on. So Brick Cox finished 14th, um, just missing the cut by two places. And of course, Sophie Ash, um, she unfortunately didn't make the cut. But we do still have one Aussie who is a chance, uh, Jakara Anthony. She qualified in first uh, yesterday for the finals and she just qualified as we speak for the super finals. So she's giving us a chance for a gold medal here and it's going to be so exciting to watch her. Um, yeah, she's very skillful at what she does. So hopefully she gets the result and Australia is going to be cheering her on because like any Olympic Games, you want to see people from your country winning gold. So we had to take a slight pause um, in recording because the super final for the women's moguls um, was on. And of course, we had Jakara Anthony participating in that. And what a run she had. She secured a gold medal. Bravo to Jakara. Bravo to her. We are so proud of her. And if you could see my reaction, I was very, very animated, but we were all very excited for her. Um, so this gold medal officially makes it Australia's most successful day in the Winter Olympics, um, along with Tess Cody's bronze medal. Um, and it's also the first time we've ever won two medals in one day in the Winter Olympics. So bravo to those two. Um, in addition to that, we are now joint fifth in the medal tally uh, with Slovenia and Japan joining us as well. Um, and it's also our first gold medal since 2010. The last two to win it was Lydia Lassima and Tora Bright. So a huge congratulations to Jakara. And hopefully this is the first of many gold medals for you. All of this on day two of the Olympics. Pretty fun times. And it seems like we are really setting up for an exciting Olympics ahead of us, aren't we? Absolutely. And everyone's just loving it. Like I've got the broadcast still up at the moment, seeing the coaches embrace her, seeing the Channel 7 broadcast team celebrating in the media pit. It's just such an exciting moment for everyone involved. And we have got such a huge caliber of athletes um, that are potential medal winners. So hopefully this is the first of many. But on to some other news, we're heading back over to the curling. So Michelle, what's going on over there? So we're currently at the halfway point of the match in the curling and um, Australia is in the lead seven to zero against Canada. So um, I think their coach needs to get those breakfast burritos ready. Yeah, so they better get that bacon and egg sizzling for sure. Um, and in other icy sport news, we have Alex Palazzo. Um, he's cracked the top 20 for the men's luge. Um, he finished in 16th place. So whether he gets a medal or not, we're not too sure, but we know for sure Johannes Ludwig um, is a definite chance. He finished on top. So congrats to Johannes. And we're looking forward to see Alex in the fourth run again. For sure. And I think that concludes everything we can tell you about what's happened so far today. Beck, where can we find you on social media? So I am on Twitter and Instagram at Rebecca Ruthven with two A's. Um, and you can also find me on What the Ruck, another podcast on the Edge of the Crowd Network, where we talk about all things Aussie rules, AFLW, AFL related. 
You can find me uh, at uh, m.ch.ll.g on Instagram and m underscore ch underscore ll underscore g double underscore on uh, on Twitter. Uh, just think of it as my name with all the vowels replaced by the corresponding punctuation mark. Uh, Ascending Olympus is part of the Edge of the Crowd network. Uh, you can you can find Ascending Olympus on Instagram and Twitter at Ascending Ollie Pod. Uh, you can find Edge of the Crowd also on Instagram and Twitter at uh, Edge of the um, at the handle Edge of the Crowd. But also check out our website edgeofthecrowd.com for uh, all our funky uh, stories about sport and culture. We're doing daily recaps in, on the snow and the ice events uh, every day uh, of the Olympics. So keep an eye out for them. Uh, Ascending Olympus will also be coming to you every morning at 7 a.m. with recaps of what happened the day before. So perfect for a morning commute. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you tomorrow.